Hello and welcome to the Calibre Audio Book of the Month podcast. My name is Denise and I'm joined by my colleague Emma. Hello. This month we're gearing up to National Poetry Day, which is on Thursday the 6th of October, by discussing not one but two contemporary poetry books from quite different poets. Although the thing they have in common, to my mind at least, is that they are both highly accessible and a great place to start if you're a reluctant reader of poetry. The first collection, Kids, by Hannah Lowe, winner of the 2021 Costa Book of the Year Award, is a book of sonnets based on the poet's time as a teacher in an inner-city sixth form, as well as her experiences as a teenager and later on as a mother. Now, Emma, I know that poetry is not your favourite genre, so I'm keen to hear what you made of it. Yeah, so um, it's probably, it's a bit strong probably to say that I hate poetry. Um, I would say I dislike it. Um, so if I had the choice of between a, a collection of, of poems and reading War and Peace, I'd probably choose War and Peace. Um, but the, I have to say that, you, that this book's only sort of about 100 pages long and um, it was very accessible it's not it's not the sort of book certainly not the sort of poems I would usually choose to read either um, and I read I read a little bit about it too uh, when she actually won the Costa Award there was an article about it and the BBC news journalist and the, the who was the chair of judges at the time uh, Rita Chakrabarti she described it as a book to fall in love with it's joyous it's warm and it's completely universal so it's the word universal that, that sort of piqued my interest I thought okay so that's fine um, and straight away, sort of reading through the poems, I, I have to say I'd, I got on uh, better with the second part of the book than the first part. But it's a real um, testament to her her teaching life. So you know, you will get really get a feel for that, and her interaction with the kids as well. But also about parts about her life, and then later on, I think it sort of it's um, about her son sort of growing up and navigating the world in in sort of London where they live. So you you did really get a feel for her through it as well. Um, and I did, I have to say, I felt, uh, first of all, as I was reading them, one of my issues with poems is I do, I'm very much a person, I like poems, I'm a traditionalist, so I like poems to rhyme and I like to understand them. And obviously that's not necessarily what poetry is all about. Um, and part of the joy of poetry really actually should be that you take what you want from it. So actually, you shouldn't have to understand them. And I, I have to keep getting over that. Um, so in that way, she, she challenged me really to sort of come back into poetry and, and sort of um, yeah, really, really see what I, I thought of it um, in that respect. So I, I did really enjoy it in, in terms of just sort of getting a feel for, I think, reading poetry again and just, just understanding how 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 to interpret them I think that's that's kind of what made me um uh, sort of drawn towards it but as I say I, I'd certainly preferred the first half to, to the second half of it so would you agree that the kids is a good choice for people who are new to reading poetry or reluctant to read a book of poetry yeah totally actually um so I, I'd say for, from just going from my own experiences if I can read it and, and sort of get something and enjoy it it would absolutely be okay for everybody particularly if you're not sure or you, you're not um because it is I mean it, it you know it's, it's quite a it's a literary correct collection but it, you don't really feel that at all at any point that it's inaccessible you can read every single one and and 
get something from them or, or understand what they're about. So absolutely. And did you have any favourites? So I did. Um, I didn't actually really expect to necessarily pull any out as favourites. I just thought, well, I'll read this and, you know, see what happens. So I was quite surprised not only to read them, but enjoy them and, and have, as a, you know, as I say, have some favourites. The one that I particularly liked because it was so accessible, but um, I think particularly because it appeals to my um, obsessive compulsive disorder a little bit. It's I like to sort of think it's because I'm really organised, but I, I think there's a, there's a bit of an obsession about it really as well. Um, so it's a poem called Sonnet for the Punched Pocket and it drew me in straight away. Um, and the first line is, what would I have done without those wallets? They're white polo holes. And I thought, yes, <laughs> because I had all my whole entire school career um, and into uh, further education. I just had folders and folders full of punch pockets. And funny enough, the other day, I found under my bed a whole <laughs> load of them where I'd obviously stored them. And this was just me. You know, this, this was whole. I could totally relate to it. Um, so that was one of my favourites. And, and actually on the next page uh, is a, a poem that where well, she's talking about teaching and um, she's corrected by one of her students. Oh, yes. She's, she's Yeah, she's... She, Loved it. <laughs> she's actually um, teaching about Samuel Pepys, but she's pronouncing it Peppies, which made me laugh because I did that for years until someone corrected me and said Peeps. So again, it was one I could relate to. Um, so how about you? Did you have... I really enjoyed the Peeps one as well. I thought it was very game of her to um, admit that being a sixth form English teacher and she was mispronouncing, you know, the name of the famous diarist. Um, and the thing was, the thing I really liked about it was she kept going to the end of the lesson using her interpretation of how it should be pronounced and she, she disregarded the student who was trying to correct her. And that's the thing. A lot, a lot of them are very humorous. Um, not all of them, which I didn't expect actually. So yeah. that again, that took me by surprise. So. Yeah, yeah. My other favourite, and and like you, I especially liked the ones at the beginning of the book, the first half or so, where they were about teaching, as well as her own experiences of being taught. And the one in particular I liked, called Queen Bee was about her as a teacher having a tug of war with a student with attitude over her phone, which Hannelow, um takes Hannelow back to, as she calls it, a proper girl fight back in the day between her and her rival in the classroom. And that took me even further back um, to the first form in secondary school and a fight between me and my best friend, also called Denise, at the age of 11. And it took me straight back there. And I could, yes, I could relate to that, to that very much so. And then the other funny one I liked um, was called The Sixth Form Theatre Trip. And she prefaces it with a little quote um, from a poet, or a poet, uh, it's a little quote from Anonymous. And it's, this is more like bloody dog walking than teaching. And... She goes a lot along with this and, and uses all sorts of dog phrases, and it's very funny. Um, so, yeah, as well as being funny, obviously, it, it touches on themes of racism, class, missed opportunities, grief and love. They're all covered. Um, there was, in fact, the very first one in the book, which drew me in straight away. 
and it's called, it's the prologue, and it's called The White Dog. And she's talking about the death of her father, which very much affected her. And she's just riding in and out to work day by day, and she keeps seeing this dog. And for some reason, it reminds her of the fact that her father is dead, and it's quite moving, and I, I you know, I quite empathised with that as well. So... Yeah, I I've, I really loved the book. I thought it was brilliant. I will say, just going on one of the themes you picked up on there on, on grief, um, and this goes to show about possibly my inability of, um, uh, or, or not my inability, but my my sort of willingness to dismiss something too quickly in poetry. So I'll read it and think I don't like it and move on. Which, I, and I actually believe, having having read this book, I'm now trying to teach myself that I think you should read every poem at least twice because that's so and that's what I did with this poem because I I read it and I thought what is that about I don't understand it at all and and then it just all falls into place you reread the title so there's a poem called seven seven um and that didn't to be I have to say just I didn't it didn't trigger anything with me and I read the poem and I thought, what is, I don't get that, you know, and that started, I get very frustrated very quickly with poetry if I don't understand something. But again, I went back to read it and then it made perfect sense. And then the um, title of it made sense. It is about one of her friends going on to one of the trains or the 7-7 bombings and, and uh, what kind of happens to her there. And when you realise that, it then becomes a massively powerful poem. So, and so for me, uh, 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 the fact that I could have missed that the first time around and not get, have given it my full attention, I, feel, I you know, I, f- I feel quite bad about that now, having read it and sort of understood it. And t- actually, then it made me feel, it, it, well, it, it really struck me and it made me feel, um, uh, so, you know, I was sad and and just it was so poignant um, and, and a very clever poem, and obviously very personal to her. So um, yeah, that that kind of and there's a couple like that, like the one you said about her dad at the beginning. But there's there's a couple like that that carry on. Excellent. So there's hope yet. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Thank you, Hannah Lowe. Um You have reopened my eyes, I think, to, to this sort of poetry, which I, I class as, um, this isn't really, uh, well, it, it's kind of, I guess, it's a literary poetry of a form, isn't it? But it's it's po- literary poetry that totally is for everyone. It, you know, you really, you really can understand it and, and can take things from it. Um, so, yeah, I, I applaud her because she has um, turned me back onto poetry. So, and that's no mean feat, let me tell you so. <laughs> So moving on to our second book, Pamers on Animals. This is a definitive collection of all her animal-related poems over the last 50 years. Many of them are prefaced with a short essay about the subject and the circumstances surrounding the writing of the poem. The books were very different. Uh, Which did you prefer, Emma? Was there one over the other? So I'm going to... As much as I enjoyed the kids, um, I, I'm going to say Pam is, is just, it's probably, you know, my level in, in terms of that she writes poetry that really appeals to me in terms of fact it rhymes, I understand it. It's ve- it's totally, you know, it's very accessible for everybody. Um, and, and what I also liked about this, though, was not just she most, in fact, I think all of the poems are prefaced by either a little tiny paragraph of introduction as to why she wrote it or a bit of a longer story, um, which are funny in themselves um, and enlightening about her life. Um, but 
linked to the, the, the following poem. So I really enjoyed that bit. So the whole kind of story mixed with poetry really, mm. really worked. And it's again, it's a lovely book to dip in and out of, um, which again is quite good for people if you don't, if you're not a fan of poetry, if you if you not sort of don't have a lot of time to listen um, to books as well. That's it's one of the things that's quite appealing because you you do and it. She's just so funny, you know, what she says. She really, some of the ones that she really made me laugh. Um, and that's kind of probably more, I guess, up my street, really. Is, is that, So, yeah, she, she did just about uh, kind of get it, I think, for me, Pam, is her, her, in, in favouritism. Yeah, I think the um, non-poetry sections, I mean, they're quite substantial, some of them, three or four pages long, where she, you know, she talks about the subject of the poem or whatever. But it, it reveals that she's tried a host of animal-related projects. She's done beekeeping. She's had sheep, cattle, chickens, a worm farm. But at the end of the day, the animal loves of her life are her dogs. And my favourite poems are the dog-related ones, especially about the dog who was afraid of the toaster, (laughs) unlike my dog who will sit beside it and wait for when the toaster is a bit over-enthusiastic and will actually shoot it onto the floor. Um, But this, the unfortunate dog was called Crumpet. Um, And then the other one is where the dog is sent indoors in disgrace because he's punctured the football and they can't carry on with their game and it's through the eyes of this dog who's literally in the doghouse. I really enjoyed that one. Well, funny enough, my favourite poem is, is a, a poem called Puppy Problems and she um, uh, explains beforehand how she just decided in her young years to get a puppy without really fully appreciating the time and effort it, it um, entails and her poor dad ended up with, with sort of taking the dog on in the end. But there were two bits that, and I, I've never actually owned a dog, but the, I think y- y- if you've had people that, if you know people that have had dogs, you've heard stories like this all the time. Um, and I just, I'm just going to read you uh, the, the last couple of paragraphs of this poem um, in, in my best Pam Ayers impression. So forgive me, Pam Ayers, because <laughs> imagine her voice. Um, it starts, he frayed my lovely carpet that I'd saved my money for. And when he wasn't chewing, he was weeing on the floor. He didn't spare the table leg that came in for a gnaw. I told him, but the message never seemed to reach his jaw. We laboured at the gardening, me and my little pup. At two, I planted flowers, and at four, he dug them up. He liked to dig, he'd bury bones, and pat them down so neat. And then he'd rush indoors as clods of mud flew off his feet. (laughs) (laughs) And that, you can, the thing about her poetry is you can envisage what she's, so like in a story, you're imagining that the story goes on, you can really see this happening, um, and that's, but there's, there's, she's also got a great uh, way of describing and, and I think highlighting just, just life happen, happening around you. Um, and a bit like sort of Hannah Lowe, there's, there's, there's so many things you can relate to in terms of her experiences in, in here too. And one of the most moving poems for me, and her, again, about dogs was, um, uh, there's, there's a poem, um, let me just remember what it was called, um, but it's about the, the death of a, a, a beloved dog. Mm. And she really sort of encapsulates the the, what, the death of the dog and, and that, what it leaves you in your um, you know sort of the, the uh, absence of it in your life and, and the, the the kind of gap it, it leaves there. It's called uh, Tippy Tappy Feet, I think is that one. Um, 
But yes. yeah, that's that really moved me. That was uh, again, I've never owned I've owned pets, but I've never owned a dog. But y- you can just again really imagine because it, he beca- he she becomes part of your p- family, doesn't he? So um, yeah, that that was another one. But I also learned a lot from her. So um, she's into where obviously her love of animals. She's um, supports quite a lot of animal shelters and um, she's visited quite a lot of different places over the time but she I hadn't quite realized she's she's obviously very um, fond of of, uh, hedgehogs and protecting hedgehogs and I hadn't realized that there were in the in the 1950s we had around 50 million hedgehogs and there's actually only around one million left which seems Mm, unbelievable to me Um, and so she's got sort of odes to to hedgehogs in, in her but in the poetry in here as well. Um, but one of the things, funny enough, that really related to me, just because I'd read something about it recently, is she's got a poem about a limpet and she sort of explains, uh, uh, there's a little bit of a preamble um, uh, beforehand sort of explaining why she'd written the poem. But the, the one of the fascinating things about a limpet is it when the tide sort of it, it, it moves away? Um, so as the tide recedes, it then actually navigates back to its exact original spot of where it was on the rock, and that really I thought oh because I literally just heard about this because I'd read a book where it mentions this, and it actually has a terminology. It's called the home scar. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So again, I thought oh yeah. So it's funny how things <laughs> seem to come at you at the same time. You know where you're, you you yeah. sort of learn, learn something. So. Yeah, there's lots of little snippets like like that in there too. So she, and I think you can hear because she's so well known, Pam is. You can just hear her as as she's reading the the um, and obviously you know that that's that's the thing is you you can really hear her voice um as you're sort of reading along. So yes, I mean the poems aren't all about pets or farm animals. There are a lot about animals in the wild, like, say, hedgehogs, limpets and what have you. And she is a patron of several animal charities. And there's also a a poem called A Moon Bear Song, which she wrote at the request of the charity Animals Asia. So, you know, it's, it's broader than, you know, your sort of cuddly pets or whatever. You know, it's much bigger, broad... Yeah, mixture of animals yeah, that absolutely. she's writing about. I think you get a sense of where she, because she, that's the thing about um, what you've just said about, you know, kind of having more than a sort of national, it's, it's sort of international love of animals because um, she, and that's part of her career too, because obviously as part of her career, she's been asked to talk all over the world. And that's where obviously then she's been introduced to all these different animals uh, abroad. So you do get other poems on on animals perhaps you wouldn't expect to see roaming around a um, a, a sort of British countryside. Um, but she does make you fall in love, I think, with the countryside and animals again. Um, that's that's one of the things about her writing. It's as it say, it's so vivid. You, you kind of really get a sense for it. And and her, um, you know, I hadn't really realised that she took she I know her as a poet but I didn't know anything about her life before and the fact that she had obviously these small holdings with the hens and the sheep and all the rest of it and um talk for all intents but was was pretty much a, a sort of farmhand in that respect in in what she was dealing with 
And it gives it again, it gives you a real insight into the trials and tribulations mm. of that, doesn't it? Um, which was very interesting. I also found out what was made really did make me laugh, um, which was when she uh, went into I think she was adopting a it's a story where she's adopting a, a dog. And um, she, I've realised that actually her married name is is Russell, uh, and she she mentions that her husband's been has been Mister Ayres for twenty three years, and it gets really on his nerves. So that made me laugh as well. But again, so I hadn't really hadn't realised that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Calibre Book of the Month. We hope it has inspired you to listen to more poetry, or even compose your own. The book up for discussion next month will be. This Lovely City by Louise Hare, a novel about the Windrush generation and a great choice for Black History Month. Until next month, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me.